Hi and welcome everyone to the 58th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about workflow and business process flow. And with me today I have Sarah Ergood from Digital Management Inc. Sarah Ergood is a dynamics consultant and business analyst with a passion for CRM. Working with all versions of the product since 4.0 and over past seven years, she has enjoyed witnessing and participating in the evolution of dynamic CRM, XRM and 365. She finds configuration-only solutions when possible to meet requirements. Welcome, Sarah Ergood. Hi, Marcus. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, it's, uh, it's really nice here. It's, it's not so cold as it used to be. CRM is all about managing a customer relationship. So what is a good customer relationship to you? To me, it's all about meeting expectations. And to meet expectations, you have to have good communication and a um, good relationship. So a good understanding of customer needs so that you can meet customer expectations. Who are your customer? So right now I'm at a client called Defenders. They're a reseller of ADT security systems, but I've worked with all sorts of industries to implement CRM solutions. What is it that you do? I'm a Microsoft Dynamics CRM consultant. So I go in and help implement CRM solutions for my clients. What is your last memorable customer experience? Well, it's fall time here, and we recently went to this living history museum, my husband and my daughter and I, which is really cool. And I thought of that being an exceptional customer experience because there's basically live actors in the museum who pretend to be from the 1800s and they're in character as you're talking to them in their place of business. So they have like a shop and um, they have a, a, a town inn and you can go and converse with those people. And we were just really impressed by that. It's um, called Connor Prairie. And just going in there, the commitment of all the different individuals there to provide a great experience for the visitors and help them understand and learn in a really hands-on way that's different than a lot of um, museums we think of when we're just looking at things versus experiencing them. Yeah, that sounds a lot interesting, a lot more interesting than the ordinary museums. Yeah, it was really great. What is, uh, what is workflow? Workflow are an amazing tool in Microsoft Dynamics 365. They allow for simple or complex automation of tasks, and it can make a huge difference to an organization. So they often can be an alternative to building a plugin. So where a plugin you would need a developer, a workflow could be created by a system administrator or customizer. So it's a way to automate things Yes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, they're a tool for automating things. And they consist of a step, a series of steps or rules to automate business process based on whatever the requirements are. 
Okay, so if I've never seen a workflow inside Dynamics CRM, what what am I expecting then? Is it if this then that type of scenarios? Yes, exactly. So if a certain condition is met, then you can take a certain action or the workflow will take a certain action. So a workflow can run on an out-of-box entity or a custom entity. And when you're setting it up, um, you can have it initiate manually. So um, the, the user could run it on demand or they could initiate it automatically. And the ways to initiate it automatically would be um, when you create the workflow, you select an entity and you can say when this entity is created, for example, when an account is created or um, when an account is updated or a certain attribute of account is updated. So that basically you can figure a trigger for when that workflow gets executed. Um, other ways to trigger are when a record is assigned. That's a, another way. So um, you could say when an account is assigned, the workflow starts, and then you can say if some condition is met, then take a certain action. So uh, an example would be when an account is assigned to sales rep, then maybe we want to send an email to that sales rep to notify them. So the workflow you could configure to set on creative account if the maybe you only do it for certain types of accounts. So you would say you could put a condition in there. Um, if account type e equals customer, then send an email to the sales rep that account is assigned to. So that's an example of a very simple workflow. And in that email, you can have a link to the CRM environment itself. So you lure the users in there. Yes. Yes. You can provide a link to the record itself. A, a real clickbait. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, if I'm looking at this, so there's an option there for synchronous versus versus real time. What does that mean? So synchronous workflows run in the front um, where asynchronous work run in the background. So when you're setting up the workflow, you have the option to select that. So if you create a real time workflow, then it's going to run as soon as that trigger happens. So if you're um, workflow is configured on whenever an account's created, then that workflow has to run in real time before the user can move on um, to do anything else. Whereas if the workflow is running in the background, then it's running behind the scenes and the user doesn't necessarily have to wait for that workflow to complete before they can move on and do another task. So from a technical standpoint, the asynchronous workflows are going to execute after the trigger um, versus the synchronous happens as a part of the trigger um, before the action can complete itself. 
Okay, so if we're thinking here that you have that, okay, you create an account scenario. And if you have a real-time workflow, then the changes made by the workflow to that actual account record will reflect when the users get that form back again from that first save. Yes. And if you have a background workflow, it will get the changes sometime in the future. Perhaps not very long in the future, but not exactly when you get that real-time feedback. So you don't see it right away, but it will get to it. Yes. So the changes won't for an asynchronous workflow if, for example, if some field is being set, um, you wouldn't see that field being set until the next time the form is refreshed because the change has been applied in the background. So that be, might be really good, the real time, if the users need to act on it real, uh, like right now. And if it's just, let's move the process forward for next time, then just go ahead and move it to the async and background workflows. Yes, so if it's something within the current form, that the user needs to see the update right away, that's when real time is useful um, or synchronous is useful. And then asynchronous, um, for example, the use, you could make it asynchronous, the user may never see. So if the, say the workflow is creating a record of some other entity, it would not matter if it's asynchronous because the user wouldn't see that reflected right away in so we have that scenario where you have that, okay, let's send an email or an, another activities, follow-up activity or something like that. Then that's a typical background asynchronous workflow. Exactly. And you were saying before, before I interrupted you. So um, a synchronous workflow would be something you want the user to see reflected in the form right away versus asynchronous you may not care if if the user so or it may not matter because the user wouldn't see it in the form anyways so what is an on-demand workflow then so an on-demand workflow the user would select one or more records and run the workflow on those records so for example we talked earlier about the different triggers of when to run a workflow so when an account's created or um, when an account's assigned. But if the workflow is also available on demand, then the user could select one or multiple records and run the workflow on those records without having to meet any specific trigger. That can be very useful when you're trying to update a large amount of data and want to have certain conditions, um, update certain things or create certain records um, on demand can be very helpful yeah if you have some errors that you want to fix and you want to perhaps clear some fields and the edit multiple doesn't quite do it for you then you can create this one-time workflows and run it on all of the records or <clears throat> depending on how many record that is of course Yes, there's also a tool in XRM Toolbox where um, you could run the 
workflow on a view of records, which would encompass multiple pages in an advanced find versus having to go through one page at a time and run the workflow on the page of records and proceed to the next page. So that XRM toolbox is a really handy shortcut to being able to run the on-demand workflow for a set of records that are returned in the advanced find rather than one page at a time. That sounds cool. Have you ever done that? Yeah, it's certain. Yes, it certainly does save a lot of time. Um, it's nice to not have to page through, especially if you're dealing with thousands of records. It's always nice to have some shortcuts. Yeah, it is. So what is the scope of the workflow then? So the scope of the workflow determines whether the record or the workflow runs on the record based on the owner. So if the scope is organization, which is the most common option, then it doesn't matter who the owner of the record is, the workflow will run if the if the trigger in, is met. And then the other options are user business unit and parent child business unit. So based on what it's set to, depending on the owner of that record, um, it'll it'll run or not run. So for example, if I created a user one, just because in my workflow, I found I was doing a repetitive task a lot, and I wanted to create one that applied to just myself and what I like to do, um, then I could make a user scope one that would only apply to records that I own. And it wouldn't affect any of my colleagues or anyone else in my department and organization. It would just be a nice shortcut for me. Would that trigger as well if you edited someone else's record then? No, it would actually just be based on the ownership, similar to um, how security roles have a context. Um, all of our security is kind of the through the lens of the context of who the owner of the record is. That's the way scope works as well on the workflows. Okay, that's good to know. So what are the parts that comprise of a, a workflow when this starts to run then? What are the logics and, and parts that I can use? So a really simple way to think about it is you have um, a condition. So you have an if and a then statement. So if a certain condition is met, then take a certain action. So that's the most simple um, way and I think most common way that we use workflows is we're using if-then statements. So in those check conditions, you can also do conditional branch. So you can have multiple if-then statements. So you're doing otherwise, if, then. And at the end, you can do a default action. So if none of your conditions are met in your conditional branches, then your default action could take a certain step if none of the conditions are met. Okay, so if I have an opportunity and the estimated value of that is over this or over that or less than that or if none of them fits then go for this generic action that i have in the default then 
Yes, so um, maybe you want to use it to uh, rate a lead or an opportunity as warm, hot, or cold. So maybe um, if not, none of your conditions are met, then you'll say just set it to cold. Um, but if certain condition is met, you're going to set it to cold for sure, or certain condition is met, you're going to set it to warm or hot, um, depending on those things. But your default would be setting it to cold. Okay, that's that's a better example than mine, actually. So, so what about weight conditions then, or timeouts? So a weight condition is a way for us to wait to take a certain action until a condition is met. So we can have a weight condition of we can create an opportunity and wait until the opportunity is created or wait until the opportunity is in a certain stage and then take a certain action. So that allows the workflow to run over time. So without weight conditions, typically a workflow, unless it gets caught in an error, will run uh, pretty quickly and execute within a minute or less. Um, but with a weight condition, you could actually have a workflow that's running over uh, the life of a record over a series of weeks. Okay, so so it doesn't have a, a certain requirement that it has to finish within two minutes then? Well, it will it will fail if it doesn't finish within a certain amount of time, but you can have certain workflows nested where you're taking actions within that workflow, like a child workflow. Okay. I was thinking like the the plugin has this set time that it has to finish. I think it is within a couple of minutes or something like that. You cannot run a plugin longer than that. But as you said, the the workflows can pretty much run indefinitely through the oh, I mean yes. through the lifetime of an opportunity, and that can be just I don't know at least days probably weeks. Yes, I understand where you're going with that now. Yes. So the plugin has a limitation. It can't have weight conditions. A workflow can have weight conditions. So that's one advantage of a workflow. What do you think about stages in a workflow? So a stage is used to split a workflow up into manageable chunks so that you can see the steps organized. So if you had a workflow, for example, that you've designed to run over the lifespan of an opportunity, you would want to split it into stages because there's likely many conditions and branches there. So stages allow you to organize those branches and steps. And, and you can set names to them and stuff like that so you can easily see where you are and what they represent? Yes, so that when a user goes in to look at the workflow logic, even if they didn't write it, um, then they would still be able to understand the logic that was written. So where can I take a look at my, my workflows then? You can go to your settings, customizations, and under customizations, processes, and you can see a list of all the processes in your system. 
And one type of process is workflows. If I just go there, should I, I mean, if I'm the admin of a CRM system, what should I be looking for there? I usually will sort the view by what entity uh, the workflow is or process is focused on. And that helps um, to be able to get to where, where you're wanting to go. So if you're trying to look for a workflow that runs on the opportunity or what workflows run on the opportunity, you can see what entity that the workflow is configured for. And from there, you can open the workflow record itself and see the logic in the workflow editor. So the, the workflows themselves are their own records. Was this in, in processes and workflows then? There I can see all of the deployed workflows, both draft and activated ones. Yes. If I want to take a look at the running workflows then, where do I head to? You can go to the system jobs under settings and see all the system jobs. So that will not just include the workflows are, that are running, but all the system jobs. If you want to see just the sessions of that workflow, you can see that within the workflow record itself on the left navigation. Okay, so there might be records where I have a workflow waiting for resources, and if that's been for a long time, then that's a reason for me to, to get notice, right? Yes, and the first, if you think a workflow is not working properly, the first thing to check is to go there and check the status of the sessions that are running and see if they're stuck in some sort of waiting status or error status. Yeah, so if there's something that's been wrong with the workflow, it will show up there then. Yes, it'll actually show you where the error occurred on what step or branch that the error occurred, and then you can correct it. So that's good both for handling, I mean, improving the workflows and for making sure that nothing just fails for no apparent reason. Yes, typically you can see pretty clearly where it's failing. Okay, so do you have any best practices for me when I create my workflows? One of the biggest gotchas would be getting into an infinite loop. Um, so if you created a workflow that said when an account's created, then um, create an account, that would create a loop. So that's a really simple example of a loop. So if you were writing that, it would be pretty easy to say, oh, this is a loop. But there's other scenarios where you might get into a loop and not think about it. So if you if you were going to create a workflow, you would want to step through it and test it before, I mean, just like anything, want to test it to check for that loop condition. And when you're thinking through your logic, try and avoid getting into a loop. Okay, so that might be a scenario where I have a run as a child workflow and I run the same workflow as the child workflow and then that will run itself and itself and itself and if you do that more than eight times over is it 10 minutes then it will just stop and say no enough this is an infinite loop yes it, it eventually does 
stop itself after so many times. Um, and sometimes this, if you create a loop, um, then you may not even notice until somebody reports an issue. Um, we had one that was setting a value. Um, we have, and when integration comes into play, it's even more complex, but we basically had one that was setting a value and that was triggering the integration. And then the integration was coming back and setting the value back. And so we had the issue reported and we could see in the audit history that the value would get set and then set back eight times in a row <laughs> because that workflow kept yeah. getting triggered, but then the integration kept getting triggered as well and updating the record back to what it was. Yeah, so. that's always tricky that you fire on the change, but it wasn't an actual real change per se because it was the same value set again. Yes. All right. So what do you think about child workflows and splitting workflows up then? Is that a good thing? Yes, I think that's a really good practice um, because you're going to have sometimes very large workflows with a lot of steps. And if a especially if a workflow runs over the course of time and there's workflows that are in progress and you needed to make a change to that workflow, you couldn't deactivate a workflow that has active running processes. So if you split it up into smaller chunks, like with a child workflow, you could actually edit the child workflow and make the changes you need without having to deactivate the larger process that may have some running sessions. With that, you mean that the current one will still have the old values, but you can deactivate the the workflow and change it, but only new instances of that workflow will have the change in it. Yes, yes, because once the once the uh, triggers met that creates and starts that workflow running, then it started that process. So it would apply to triggers that are met going forward for when that workflow should run. So that's actually a bit tricky because that's that's like the workflow instance instead of the actual workflow and and that has a reference to whatever the state or the template was when it started that workflow then. Yes. Are there any other uh, benefits with having these child workflows? Yeah, so if you wanted to make some changes to the workflow and switch them some things around, if you had everything in one big stage, then you'd have to end up deleting versus switching things out. If you have child workflows, you can switch the child workflow out without having to delete anything. So I've had times before where I've written a workflow and in order to change some of the previous steps that I've set up, I've actually had to delete the steps that are in between and rebuild them, which can be quite annoying. So that's another benefit of using child workflow. Yeah, because there are no real reorder things in workflow. There's just add or delete. There's no real well edit but there's no real i want to move this part above the other that 
was already there, so that's not really possible. It would be nice to have more of a, a drag and drop for those statements, those conditions. That would be neat to see. Actually, since 4.0, there have been some enhancements to what you can do in workflows, but there's not been a lot of enhancements to the actual workflow editor. So it would be nice to see some enhancements to that interface for the workflow designer at some point where we could actually do that. Yeah, it would be nice. It's been practically the same since, yeah, version 4 or 2011 or something like that, where since that it's been pretty much stable. If you've had, you read up on the old documentation, it's pretty much the same now. Yes. What's the difference between workflows and business process flows then? So workflows automate things. They automate different processes or actions, whereas business process flows are more of a visual aid for the user to guide them through a series of steps or tasks. So the most common business process flow that we see used is lead to sale. So your lead to opportunity and a one opportunity and taking that through the stages of first you're qualifying the lead and, and then you're trying to understand needs. And so those would be different stages in the workflow. And it's actually a visual representation across the top of the form that looks like chevrons and the user can navigate the next stage button. So it's a, it's a visual representation for the user. Okay, so this is the business process flow. Yes. But the word stage is the same then. So we've had situations where the workflow, before there was a process flow, implemented the logic of the business process flow with the automation where we had stages and stuff like that. So how do you think about this? Can they help each other in some ways? Yes. So you could use workflows to automate business process flows under cert if certain conditions are met. So you could say if you're on the first stage and the lead has a certain amount of information filled in, so these three fields contain data, then proceed to the next stage. So instead of the user having to manually click next stage to get the workflow to progress from the first to the second stage, the workflow could automate that. So you're using the process to still visually guide the user, but you're automating it with the workflow. How does that work? Because the workflow is fixed on one entity and business process flows can run through multiple of them. That's true. So the, the workflow would need to apply to the process itself. The process is an entity, if that makes sense. So that's actually an enhancement that's come out here in the past year. I think it came out last fall where the process, the business process flow is its own entity. So in the workflow, you're not calling the entity of opportunity or lead, 
you're calling the entity of the lead to sale business process flow. And then in your conditions of the workflow, you can actually put conditions on the entity that that uh, process is related to. Okay, so if I if I have some checks then that it is time now to move to the next stage or the last stage or, or move backwards, can I arrange all of this with, with my workflows then? You can, but you have to be sequential in the way that it's written. So for the user, it may be, appear that the workflow is automating a skip from maybe the first to the third stage, but in the way that you write the workflow to progress the stage, each step needs to only progress the stage by one. Otherwise you get the lovely error um, that the business process stage progression is invalid. So basically in your workflow, you would say, if this condition's met, step after that, if this condition's met, proceed to the current stage plus one, and so on. And so then as that workflow runs, it would meet each condition uh, sequentially and would progress the stage multiple times. But in the way that you write the workflow, you have to logically progress it one at a time. Does that make sense? So... What have you done with this combination of workflow and business process flow? Do you have any scenarios where you've used these ones, these ones together? Sure. A really good example of when to use this would be, say that one of the steps in your lead to sale is done outside of the system. So the user may not even take uh, any steps or have anything to do on the stage that it's just more of a visual representation. You don't want to skip that um, in the user's vision of what the process is. So you don't want to just admit that stage, but you don't want the user to necessarily have to click through that stage every time. So if they, for example, go outside of the system to do something like um, book a hotel, then on the stage, they could say, if hotel is booked, yes, then it would just skip to the stage that is right after book hotel, which is maybe um, send confirmation number to the client or um, confirm reservations or something like that. Uh, or pro if you're processing payment outside the system. Once payment's processed, then we would just proceed past that stage so that way the user is not having to click through it. The stage will just progress based on that task being completed. And if you set the workflow to the real-time synchronous workflow, then the users will see the change after they've saved the, these change done. Yes. So when you're progressing the BPF, you would most likely want to use a synchronous workflow Unless you're doing something like, um, you know, in a, okay, here's another example where you might use this is if you're importing data. So if you import a bunch of opportunities and some of those opportunities are on the first stage and some of them are on the third, and you can de 
determine that based on different conditions, then you could have the um, workflow be asynchronous. Um, and then just whenever the user opens that record, it would apply the correct stage. If it's more interactive, where as the user's interacting in the form, then it's progressing the stage, you would want it to be synchronous. Yeah, and that's, that's two different approaches and examples to where the different types of workflow will be good for the different scenarios of process flows. Yes, because when you import, and to give a little background, when you import records in CRM, that business process flow will always start at the first stage, which, for example, if you're going live with a sales org and you want to import some opportunities for them, they're all going to start out at the first stage, but you could use a workflow to progress that stage if you know what conditions would be met to put it at a certain stage then when the you could get your sales funnel without having to open each record and progress through the stages or if you're introducing the actual business process flow so the records are already inside crm but the process is not there so then you can apply this as well then Yes, that is another great example. We actually had that here at Defender where we had a business process flow that gets applied for um, one set of users and a different business process flow that it gets applied for another set of users. And those users are interacting on the same records. So, for example, um, if a sales agent started out with a record a lead record and had progressed the stage to the third stage, and then the help desk opened that same lead record, we would default the BPF to the help desk BPF because they use a different BPF than the sales user. But the pain point was that because it was changing the BPF, it was just putting it on that first stage. And so we could say, we know if these certain fields have data, that we can progress the stage and do that automatically rather than the help desk user having to progress that stage forward to get back to where the sales agent was. Yeah, so you actually have two processes on the same record, but they're showing up for different users and you want to keep them in sync without actually people clicking through them. Exactly. Oh, that's really nice. Do you have any common pitfalls that you want to recommend people to avoid? I guess knowing the limitation of workflow can help when you're designing. So there are some times when a workflow is just not a fit and it's good to have a feel for that. Um, now, a good way to learn that is to just try and do it with workflow. And if you can't do it, <laughs> then you know that um, that you're limited. Um, but after a while, you'll get an understanding of what you can and can't do. So one example of what you can't do with workflow is um, if there's many records. So if you can reference a specific record and tell the workflow, so, all right, here's an example. Say in your workflow, uh, when a 
when an account is um, created, then you create an opportunity. Then in that workflow, you could reference the opportunity that was created at that time. But as we know, opportunity has a one-to-many relationship with account. So if you were trying to um, build a workflow that would update an opportunity based on an account trigger, you would have a hard time with that because you would have to specify which opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's the one-to-many or the many-to-one relationship. So you have to know which of these are you working with. If it's the one-to-many, then that's hard to get to because then, okay, you have the account and you have, okay, we have many activities. Which of the activities are you referring to? But if you have the account manager, then you have the lookup stamped on the account and you know, oh, it's this user that is the account manager that I want to use. Yes. So if you can, if there's a direct reference to a record, uh, so like a direct reference on the account um, to a certain record, then that helps because then it's a, a one, there's one record related to that account versus a one-to-many the workflow won't know, you just won't be able to write it to know what to do. The other way to get around that is also the, you know, if the record was created within the workflow, then you can reference the record that you created. So even if it's a one-to-many, but if you created that record within the context of the workflow, then you can reference it again in the workflow to take a certain action on that record. Okay, so you have to create an email, then you can refer to that exact email. Yes, but typically when you're talking about um, the minis, when you have a one-to-many, you're going to have some limitation when it comes to workflow that you may not have with plugin. Where plugin, you may be able to say, find this certain record with these certain criteria. So if maybe you have... Um, a custom entity um, and called job and you say, okay, find a job of this certain type and update that job um, or in a certain status, find a record of, of them that are in this status and do, do this. But the workflow won't do that. The plug, you have to do a plugin for something like that. Do you have any other pitfalls that you want to make sure people avoid? Sure. So if you reference a user in the workflow that can get you into a bit of trouble if the user leaves the organization of course changes happen all the time where a user may become inactive or disabled so instead of referencing a user directly reference a lookup for example if you're saying send an email to um, joe schmo and you're referencing the user if he leaves the organization, then your workflow is going to have an error. Whereas if you email to the account manager and that account manager is set on the account as a lookup to a user, then it's more dynamic and more manageable. So the user can manage that more easily. So say we know Joe Schmo left, so we're going to set all of his accounts to Nancy now. 
And then that way, because Nancy's now the account manager referenced on that account, the emails, instead of referencing users directly, I would reference a lookup that references a user in the workflow. And I would trust Nancy way more than Yo Shmo, actually. Yes. Yo, show, yo Shmo doesn't sound very trustworthy. No, no, I like Nancy a lot better. So where do I go if I want to know more about workflows and business process flows and how they fit together? I find there are a lot of um, good resources on the Dynamics community. So there's a lot of um, people out in the community who will answer questions. And even if you don't ask a question yourself, if you Google a certain topic, Oftentimes, somebody's asked that question before and experts have answered it, which is really useful. Another site that I use a lot is the CRM book by Power Objects. So they have a very nice manual that walks through um, pretty much all CRM functionality and customization configuration options. Um, and I also would... Um, look for personal blogs too. There's a lot of CRM experts out there who um, write blogs. Um, Jason Latimer is a good um, blogger, um, but there's many notable CRM experts who have blogs. So I typically, if I'm looking for a specific question um, of how to do something, I Google it and then those resources often come up, whether it's the Dynamics community or the CRM book or some blog post by a CRM expert. You had a video on the XRM virtual where you talked about a workflow on how business process flows can work together. Yes, I did. So we talked quite a bit about that earlier in this talk, but if you want to see a visualization of that, which is helpful, there's a recorded screencast of that talk where I actually showed what I did in the workflow editor to automate the BPF with workflow. And that's part of XRM virtual group. Where are you going to be next? Do you have any public speaking schedule or anything like that? Well, I'm going to extreme CRM in long beach, which is going to be very fun. Hopefully get to socialize with some other CRM experts and learn about new functionality and what's up and coming. And um, hopefully we'll also present again for the XRM virtual group at some point. Yeah. And for all that's listening, that's already been because we're recording this before the, the conference, but it's going to be published after the conference. So thank you. I'm sure that I would. I hope you had fun. I'm sure that I will. All right. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, it's always t uh, nice with the, some time shifting here. So do you have any links where we can find you, some Twitter, some personal blogs of your own then? I am on LinkedIn. I don't blog, um, but I maybe will someday. But right now I, I don't blog. Um, I just, uh, so LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Sarah Duzer, which is my maiden name. So slash Sarah, S-A-R-A, Duzer, D-E-U-S-E-R. The links will be in the show notes for everyone to easily find you there then. 
So thank you for your participation in CRM Rocks, Sarah Airgood. Thank you very much, Marcus. Thanks for having me. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment and subscribe to CRM Rocks. You'd search for it, uh, CRMRocks.com or search for it in your favorite podcasting app and you will find it right there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.